I'm Cheryl Burns, host of the Capital RCD Conservation Podcast. Welcome. In each episode, I speak with a conservation professional that works in South Central Pennsylvania. This episode introduces four farmers, each a grazer, who serve as Capital RCD grazing advisors. The Capital RCD Grazing Advisor Program provides one-to-one -one technical advice to farmers and grazers throughout the Chesapeake Bay watershed in Pennsylvania. The program itself started in 2008 and pairs a grazing advisor with a new or experienced grazer that's looking to transition either their livestock type to make improvements to pastures, develop infrastructure like exterior fencing or add watering systems, improve soil health, or even just deal with weed issues. All of the capital RC&D grazing advisors can support those transitioning to a grazing system because each has been through this transition themselves. I spoke with each grazing advisor to learn more about their background and the importance of supporting new or transitioning grazers. Titus Martin, a grazing advisor with the program for over 10 years, and Dwayne Hertzler, who recently joined the team, both utilized confinement systems in their dairy operations before transitioning to grazing. Dwayne, could you share a little bit about your farming background and how you came to grazing? I've been farming for about 50 years and uh, about half of it is with grazing. And we changed to grazing in 1994, I believe it was. And, uh, it was a new something new for me in 1994. Uh, we changed and we've been doing that ever since. We were we were what I call total confinement. And what prompted you to switch to grazing from confinement? We were looking at a couple things here with um, our dairy. Uh, we were working hard, and and we were making a profit, but just not what I thought we should make. And uh, we. We wanted to make more money and we want to utilize our farm in the best way it can be done. And with our shallow soils, some of them over here in Perry County, we needed to um, do better. And um, so we looked at all those things and rainfall and things like that. And we decided maybe grass would be the best in and out when it rains or we could capitalize on the grass growing and tonnage wise. And, and then when it wasn't, growing it'd sit sit there for a while and then grow again as it rained and that's what that's why we um went to grass we we talked to a county agent and the county agent said that um we could get tonnage wise as much feed from grass as we could from corn silage at that time today now it's maybe not quite the same 25 years later but we um could make the same amount of feed for the cows if it rained and if it didn't well we didn't lose that much money in corn silage like the way before with grass it would just stay there and then be there for us when it rained so Titus with the exception of a few years you farmed your whole life and if I recall you started in confinement dairy what prompted your switch to grazing several things. One, my sons were leaving the farm and I didn't have the help. 
two, I had a neighbor who was playing with it and invited us to go to one of Allen Nation's uh, grazing conferences. And it was in Lancaster at the host um, hotel and uh, conference center. Okay. And came home all excited about a new way of doing things. <laughs> it brought back memories of when my dad did some grazing. Now he wasn't a grazer as such, but that was back in the day when a pasture was used for grass in the spring. He had his broke into several sections. Uh, he also grazed rye as a cover crop. Not knowing it was a cover crop, it was just feeding my mind before we planted corn. So it, was a, it brought back many memories and I moved into it. And you continued grazing a dairy herd for a while and then moved to a new location in Northern Franklin and you're grazing sheep. Is that correct? That is correct. So from 94 to 2011, we grazed dairy herd. And while we were doing the grazing herd, I had three different farms set up for grazing that we took animals to. Uh, the main barn or farm had the dairy cows. 2011, we moved to a little place in northern Franklin County called Amberson. Uh, we have sheep. Started out with goats, didn't, didn't like how goats appreciated grass and the worm problems we had. So I was introduced to sheep and now we have a hundred of them on our place. So 2012, we got our first five ewe lambs and now we have a hundred of them here. Ann Bazor Starbard was raised on a dairy farm in Cumberland County but gained most of her grazing experience, raising goats and running a cheese making operation in New England. And you started with dairy cows and switched to raising goats. What prompted this change? Economics. <laughs> <laughs> the finances of farming, we were milking the cows and selling the milk wholesale like so many, so many dairy farmers and not, not earning a lot of money doing that. So I, decided I wanted to take a better approach towards um, the income generation of our farm. And I saw cheese making as a way to, to approach that. It, it, it went from being cows to goats by a serendipitous uh, <laughs> situation. <laughs> and um, you know, looking back, I'm not sure that, that that was something that worked out. It worked out fine in the end, but right. there were challenges along the way on that. I'm sure. <laughs> but they, it was a good, but it was mostly financial driven. Um, okay. we, we needed to find a better way of, of securing income on our farm and the, the value added um, direct marketing was the way our farm was um, in the, the Massachusetts area. So I was like an hour from Boston, so I could tap into that market. And that's what, that was the, the main purpose, was looking for more financial stability um, on our agricultural business. Sure. Now, at what point did you start more intentionally grazing 
your animals? I, because I've worked with the cows grazing, it, it made sense to put the goats out grazing. So the finances, again, were one, finances were one reason. It was cheaper to feed the animals with the grasses and forages that were growing in the fields. Also, the, the milk that the animals yielded from eating various plants was, had different flavor components, which helped with the cheese. And then also the animal health. I found the animals being out um, grazing on a regular basis was very beneficial for their building a strong immune system and their general health being out um, working their muscles and legs and, and the, the impact on their health was quite beneficial for everybody involved, them and me financially sure. and their health in general. Uh, and I would extend it further into saying it was beneficial for the soil. The animals were out, and with goats, with the small, um, their feces, the small berries, that's beneficial for nutrient growth of the, the land base without depositing manure, large amounts of more manure in one, one area. So I think there were just a lot of benefits to having the animals out grazing. When did you start being able to provide support for other farmers and grazers? I've always been involved in educating either myself or others just because of my, I, I'm very curious about how systems work and things. When it comes specifically to the small ruminant grazing, I would say after I made several mistakes on my own farm <laughs> with my own animals and various components of this um you, you do you do learn from uh trying and I, I at a point probably i started my my goat business in 1998 so i would say somewhere in the mid 2000s i got more involved with helping doing some advising work in new england with some other goat farmers and it, it wasn't anything official it was just friends that had goats and we would get together and you know share information and aside from that, is there anything else that you find rewarding about working in that educator role? Another component of that educator role is in learning other people's insights and questions. Like you might approach it saying, well, I'm like the advisor, but it, I always walk away learning information, questions, from the, the people that I'm helping. And I really enjoy that aspect of it. We all have experiences, we all have knowledge, we all have different ways of approaching a situation. And I enjoy sharing my insight, but I also really enjoy learning what, other, what challenges other people are facing and then working through those situations. It helps me learn and grow as well. So that I really enjoy that aspect of, of advising. As you can tell, the grazing advisors have a lot of experience to provide support for grazers raising a wide variety of livestock, including horses. This is provided by the fourth member of the Capital RCND Grazing Advisor Team, Donna Folk. Now, Donna, how long have you been farming? I've been farming for nearly 40 years. So it's been quite a while. 
actually, I have an equine operation and I started just wanting to move like every kid. I was horse crazy and just wanted to move my horse to my farm and really got interested in the management part of horses and the management part of pastures and it just grew. We started foaling mares because I like the whole process of having foals on the farm and eventually evolved into more of a boarding and a training operation. Okay. I started um, grazing in the very beginning because I'm a firm believer in the, the value that pasture has for horses and all, like, all livestock species actually, but especially for horses that are supposed to develop into athletes. So I really am a firm believer that grazing is very important. I, I learned like a lot of people did, trial and error. And uh, we made a lot of mistakes. Um, I think this is hard, this is not probably a good idea to stereotype, but a lot of people are into certain species of livestock and horses because they love the animals. And that's always been their focus. And the experience that a lot of people have that don't have an ag background is more with lawns. Mm -hmm. And you believe that you can put animals out there and just let them graze and there won't be any consequences to that. So we learned a lot by trial and error, and it would have been a really nice thing to have somebody that could supply help to us or some classes or courses that we could have taken so we didn't learn by our mistakes. I love face-to-face -face working with people, absolutely. I really enjoy going to farms and working with people. I love teaching classes. I like to ask a lot of questions when I'm there to see what somebody's goals and objectives are and see the light bulbs start to go off when they really start to understand something. You develop such bonds with people. Some of the, the horse farm owners and even the livestock owners that I've worked with, they'll still call. Because you, when you work closely with somebody and you give them carte blanche, call me back anytime you want, anytime you, have, you need help, um, they become almost a friend to you. And I, it's one of the most self-satisfying things I think that I have ever done. I can talk about a program that we put together that I was really proud of. We, we learned, I think when we first started working with, with uh, grazers, we focused a lot on one day programs and field days. And we learned that to make people independent, to, to get them to the point that they really understood the whole picture. They might start out with, why do I have weeds? But in order to understand that, they needed to know how grass grows and how to manage the grass, soil fertility, rest and rotation, the effect of temperature on forage growth. They needed to know all that to put the pieces together. So we developed what we called an environmental stewardship short course. And um, it, was, it was very popular, it was very hands-on. I carted around weeds and grasses in my car so people could learn to identify them. We encouraged the producers to bring their own so they could identify what's growing on their farm. They did soil tests, the results came back, we went over the results with them. So it was very specific to their own farm but provided a lot of information. And we had well over 2,000 people throughout Pennsylvania complete it. It was pretty intensive. It was four to five days. Also included a, a, a last day session where they could write a manure management plan 
for their farm. So it was, um, it was really successful, I, th I think. We had a good following with that. Um, one of the things that came out of it, you always learn from the people that you work with too, is they felt very comfortable, they were passionate, they wanted to do a better job on their pastures, and the stumbling block they had, the one thing that kept them from improving their pastures is they came to the course because they had issues. They had overgrazed it, they had a lot of bare spots, a lot of weeds. They needed to renovate those pastures. And just broadcasting seed doesn't work very well. They didn't want to go out and purchase a no-till drill. They're very expensive. So we wrote a grant to purchase two no-till drills and we made them available to farmers. We took them to the farm in order to qualify for the use, they either had to work with us to make sure that they understood how to renovate the pasture, their soil fertility had to be right, the soil couldn't be compacted, they needed a plan to take animals off the farm. So we wanted to set them up for success. We would take the drill to their farm, set it up, they would use it, and then we'd go back and we'd pick it up. And one of the neat stories I can relate to you is, there was a beef producer that I didn't know very well, and he had heard about the drill and wanted to borrow it. I went to his farm, collected his soil samples, talked to him about where he was going to put the animals while the pasture new forages were growing. Everything was set. He used the drill, called us back, and we picked it up. Four months later, I got a call on my phone from him saying I had ruined him, absolutely ruined him. And I was mortified. I mean, I'm supposed to be helping people, not ruining them. So I made a point to come out to his farm the very next day, shaking in my boots, wondering what had happened. And I got out of my car and oh my gosh, the pasture was absolutely gorgeous. Because it was a, a, a beef, um, a pasture for beef cattle, it was in pretty good shape anyway. The fertility was good, the soil was good. He had no tilted early in the spring and the grasses he had, the new grasses that came up were already six to eight inches tall and the pasture was incredible. And he came out and he said, see, you ruined me. And I said, what are you talking about? This looks fantastic. And he said, I'm never gonna go back to my old way of seeding a pasture again. He said, using a no-till drill, I have one pass over the field. When I used the old way and I plowed and I harrowed and I disked, I pulled up rocks. It was three to four passes over the field. It took me forever. He said, I will never go past, I will never go back to that old system. So you ruined me. And he started to laugh. And then his wife came out and he told, she told me I ruined her too because he was so excited about watching this grass grow that every day he took her by the hand and said, come here, you gotta watch this. And she had to watch grass grow for four whole months. So that was really a lot of fun. We became good friends and um, still communicate on a regular basis. New or experienced grazers participating in the grazing advisement program benefit from the personal and professional experience of the advisors but they may benefit most if they take time to ask themselves a few questions in advance. Why do you think a farmer that's considering transitioning to a grazing system should participate in a grazing advisor program like Capital RCDs? A new person beginning grazing has a lot of questions and to be able to tap into the resources available with the RCD advising program is beneficial in, in saving a lot of headaches with making mistakes and also financially like learning what 
what's beneficial to spend money on, what's not beneficial to spend money on. I mean, there's a lot of things out there which you don't need. Great. Raising can be pretty simple. And that's one of the advantages to me, I think, financially, is it's, it, it can be, if you have a land base, you can benefit from a grazing program without investing a lot of money in you know, equipment. So learning some of this by working with the advising group is beneficial. Another aspect for me, per, for me with the small ruminants is the animal health aspects. You know, it, that's one of the big benefits of the grazing program is to increase the health of your animals. But there are wrong ways of going about it too. So right. by working with the advising group, um, it, recognizing um, soil aspects, plant aspects, and then animal health aspects of the program and helping a, a new person feel comfortable with asking the questions. A lot of times people might be intimidated to ask their questions. Um, you know, and the internet, the internet is beneficial in so many ways, but it's not the same as having that, you know, finding that one-on-one -on -one advisement with someone who's kind of been there, done that, made some mistakes, learned from other components and um, can apply it literally to the ground up. One important question to ask is if they are open to learning new information. Secondly, I think it's important for a, a farmer to ask themselves, um, help clarify their goals for wanting animals to be grazing or their goals for their agricultural business involving their livestock and the advisors can help polish the steps to achieve goals and help the producer define the goals but i think that that's an important aspect for the the farmer the producer to ask themselves and just write down on paper like these are my goals and recognizing that the uh, capital RCD grazing advisor group can help help the person achieve those well the farmer should be asking what are these what does this group have that i can benefit from on on my farm what what abilities to the, the the people that are are doing this job what 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 are what abilities to have what for background do they have what uh what um does anybody in this group can where can they lead me can they lead me to where i want to go um and most people don't say all that stuff but but they do they have them kind of thoughts in their mind or goals of where they want to be or how they want to be they just don't come into it blindly so the two have to meet and you, and the farmer has to have his goals of what he wants to do whether he wants to have brown cows uh, black cows or, or he wants to market on his farm or market to a co-op or most of the time he has his goals and then to to be a better farmer, you have to be able to put them together to make this a complete, a complete system to work. There's so many things go into it. 
so many things that should go into it, but the, the farmer should be able to um, know what he wants. Farmers and grazers that are unsure about whether they want to implement grazing practices can still benefit from the program. If you're considering it, that's when you call. Uh, you don't have to be what we would call into it in order to uh, to have my to have the advisement. For example, the lady that I got my sheep from was from Pittsburgh. She was buying a farm in Adams County, and in her studies of going to a farm, she wanted to graze, and what to graze? She studied sheep. So I was invited to her farm before, she and her husband actually, before they uh, even purchased the place to see whether it could do what they wanted it to do and to help them to dream a bit. So that was probably the least experience that anybody had when they called for my help. And with that, we have a really good setup from beginning to end because they could see it before they actually invested in it. With that, then she called me and that's how I got into sheep. <laughs> she had fun, but she couldn't register. Oh, that's great. So somebody, somebody could really benefit from working with an advisor before they even have livestock on the ground. That's correct. And just because you work with an advisor doesn't mean you have to go on and be a great grazer. Mm -hmm. There have been some people who, uh, you know, never got very big in it, but what they're doing is good because they had some planning and some uh, eyes on it other than their own. Infrastructure is another thing that we spend a lot of time on. Mm -hmm. And so there are some small farms, and I'm one of them, that do not have any permanent fences on the farm. Everything is temporary. I use netting. A couple other sheep people use netting. But there are some cattle guys that have just the temporary fencing. So uh, probably they would have thought permanent fence only had they not had somebody else to look at it and think about it differently. Some of the rewards of, of a grazing advisor is just to help you to dream, to meet the goals without uh, spending a lot of time and money wasting, doing things that uh, aren't necessary. All of this is, of course, just an introduction to the grazing advisors and some of what can be expected within the grazing advising program. We'll share more detail and stories about their work in the future, but for now, you can learn more about Capital RCD's grazing support programs by visiting capitalrcd.org forward slash grazing support. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Capital RCD Conservation Podcast. You can find additional episodes and learn more about the Grazing Advisor Program or other Capital RCD programs at capitalrcd.org.